Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing the CFL banning unvaccinated players from the playoffs. Dookie Duke Williams making his Riders debut. Andrew Harris's knee injury. The departure of Rod Black from TSN. And Chuba Hubbard scoring his first NFL touchdown. But first, Dunkster, the Edmonton Elks traded franchise quarterback Trevor Harris to the Montreal Alouettes in exchange for defensive end Antonio Simmons. Does this trade make sense for both teams? It makes sense for the Montreal Alouettes, not for the Edmonton Elks, Haji, and I'd be remiss if I didn't say that if you're not reading Three Down Nation on a consistent basis and you're listening to the podcast, you got to get on there because we had the report that Trevor Harris was on the trade block and that... The only team that we listed in that report, Hodge, that they had had dialogue with was the Alouettes. So that's where Harris goes. We had a sense this was going to go down this way, even as mind-boggling as it is. And back to your original question, I just don't understand, or it's hard for me to even comprehend, how Edmonton could go from anointing Trevor Harris as the franchise quarterback, not even when they signed him a couple of years ago, but in 2021, bringing in this veteran core around him, playmakers like Darrell Walker obviously added back into the mix, and he had his buddy Greg Ellingson there, a lot of other guys around him, including James Wilder Jr., who's leading the league right now in yards from scrimmage, and they're going to point the finger at Harris as being the issue. I mean, as much as there were some questions about I will say, fairly or unfairly, his toughness in Ottawa and the Red Blacks maybe didn't feel like he could be that guy to lead the franchise to a great cup after Henry Burris did. That said, you've never heard anything where Harris has been a divisive figure within the locker room. So I can't 
understand or comprehend the decision that has happened now, especially because Brock Sunderland and Jamie Elizondo had championed Harris and their relationship together from being in the nation's capital as a plus for this team in 2021. They're 2-7. That is not at all all supposed to go on the shoulders of Trevor Harris in my mind. Yeah, and I, I think the vaccination status of Harris played into this. He spoke to the media uh, after arriving in Montreal. He confirmed that he was just recently vaccinated against COVID-19 during the previous week. And so I think that was, you know, potentially a stressor in Edmonton realizing, okay, if the travel restrictions come into effect, and it seems like they're not going to come into effect now until the end of November, but if you're Edmonton six, seven, eight weeks ago going, okay, it's possible we got to play our last four games, including this ridiculous three games in seven day stretch we have due to the cancellation or postponement of a previous game. All of a sudden, we got to do without our starting quarterback. I think that played a factor. But but you're right, Dunkster. The Elks are a mess, a mess from top to bottom. And Harris, no, he has not played brilliantly this season, but he's still a proven starting quarterback in this league. And if you look over the history of midseason trades, last year, of course, Zach Kolaris got sent from Toronto to Winnipeg. He got moved for a conditional first-round pick. Uh, we saw Drew Willie get shipped out midseason they're in the reverse order, Winnipeg to Toronto back in the 2016 season. He got moved for, a, a, again, a first-round pick plus players. So if that is the status quo, right, a first-round pick or a first-round pick plus other assets for a, for a proven starter, I think Montreal made out like bandits here, giving up an American defensive end. Good player, but one that they, they don't particularly need on that defensive line. And if you look at Harris's stats in 2021, it's not like they're awful. 70% completion rate, 1,568 yards, six touchdowns, and yes, five picks, which is abnormal for Harris. Normally, the TD to INT ratio is much more tilted towards the touchdowns. But in six games, like what else do you want from the guy? And I would point the finger in terms of the issues in Edmonton, being with Elizondo and the culture that he's developed. There were a lot of questions about him coming in as a rookie head coach, and he seemed to bring his massively sized ego into the city of champions, <laughs> which seems like it's difficult to do because Connor McDavid takes up so much space there on his own. That said, that's the issue. He's calling out veteran players in training camp. Let's make this comparison so everybody remembers. Sean Lemon was cut goes down the road to Calgary and is now a member of the Stampeders on a team that is looking hot at the right time, and he's among the league leaders in sacks. Kenny Stafford was apparently not a fit with the culture there. Well, I think he's probably happier now that he's in Ottawa catching touchdowns from a young Caleb Evans and helping out that offense. So what I'm getting at is these are some of the decisions that have been made, and mostly those are on the head coach. Brock Sunderland alluded to it kind of in a roundabout way. Harris more so went to the point of saying that it was really Elizondo's decision to start Taylor Cornelius over Harris after literally one part of a bad game in Winnipeg at IG Field where the Bombers are undefeated against the best defense in the league without much help in terms of scheme. So to me, that's where the issues lie is with the head coach and I would say even the GM. His record has gotten worse there every year in Edmonton. That's true, and we, and we should move on, Dunkster, but I, I will point out as well, you know, as much as Harris, yeah, as you pointed out, his numbers have not been as good this year as they have been in the past. First of all, that's true for almost every quarterback in the CFL, 
right? Offense as a whole is down, and I think that's a byproduct of the issues that have taken place just simply since having a season off. The other thing I'll say is unlike in Calgary, where Jake Mayer has actually put up better numbers than Bolivi Mitchell, that's not the case in Edmonton. Taylor Cornelius's numbers are still worse than what Trevor Harris put up. So it makes that decision all the more head-scratching. And I'm not suggesting that Calgary should start Jake Mayer. All I'm saying is that's the decision that Edmonton made. Let's move the franchise guy and install the rookie. Well, <laughs> they're not the team whose rookie has outperformed the vet at this point. So it's it's all the more head-scratching. And the, you know, the situation in Edmonton didn't make a lot of sense uh, before this trade. It, it seems to make even less sense now. Agreed, buddy. According to a report from TSN reporter Dave Naylor, the CFL will not allow unvaccinated players to participate in the Grey Cup playoffs. Does this decision make sense to you, Mr. Hodge? I think it does. Uh, I think the concern from the CFL talking to sources is that it's going to create a competitive imbalance if, let's say, out east, and this is a hypothetical, but but just you know, as an example, let's say Hamilton travels to Toronto for the east final. Well, if Hamilton is able to bus, given the very short distance, they can bring unvaccinated players. They don't have to fly. It creates a competitive imbalance right out west if let's say the calgary stampeders travel to winnipeg for the west final you know you can't hop on a bus in calgary and get to winnipeg an hour later that is an overnight type of trip it's it's not something that is reasonable particularly given that the playoffs are pushed later this season and you could have a situation where where it's a snowstorm right i I live out on the prairies the weather here yeah sometimes (laughs) it's decent in early december but we've also had snowstorms at thanksgiving It, it it you never know what the weather will be like or when it could strike so to me this simplifies things i appreciate them uh getting this information out now so players who are currently unvaccinated and want to participate in the playoffs in five six weeks time have the opportunity to get vaccinated and those who wish to remain unvaccinated, which is their right, can get out of the way. At least it makes the playing field even. And I mean, I don't want to go into all the politics of this. And by and large for myself, I respect people's decision. So at least there's some lead time here where the players who are not yet vaccinated can decide whether or not they want to do so to be able to participate in the playoffs or not. Or not. That said, Randy Ambrosi has come out and said that he wishes he could mandate vaccinations for all of the players in the league. Can't do so because it's not included in the current collective bargaining agreement. You know, you hear rumors around the league that it's something that the head office would like to have in the next CBA, but that's going to be difficult to get in there because the players are going to want to protect their side of it as well. So at least this has been out there and it's really more of a mandate from the league than a discussion with the CFL Players Association, but it's par for the course. This is what the CFL does, by and large part, to the CFLPA in a number of ways. They mandate things, probably wasn't even communicated to the PA before this came out, and odds are they found out about it on social media. I hope that wasn't the case. I'm just saying that based on what has happened in the past here. And you can understand it, though, from the CFL's perspective that they feel like for themselves it's the safest way to go about things and here we are 
But this is not, and you mentioned the word political, and I appreciate there are some players on social media who are making it out like this is a political issue. Vaccines are not a political issue. Vaccines are a public health and safety issue. Um, We've trusted our experts to develop a vaccine that works. And I'm not an epidemiologist. James Wilder Jr. is not an epidemiologist. Don't listen to my opinion about the vaccine. Don't listen to his opinion about the vaccine. Listen to an expert. And if you're someone who chooses to disregard expert advice, you have the right to do that. I respect that right. But what is not a right is playing professional football. Playing professional football is a privilege. You have the right to get vaccinated and play, or you have the right to remain unvaccinated. I respect both choices. What I don't like is people who conflate the two and believe that, oh, I have the right to play professional football as someone who is unvaccinated. Because nobody has the right to play professional football. We are all given rights in this country, rights and freedoms. But last I checked, there's nothing in our Charter of Rights and Freedoms about playing in the Canadian Football League. Indeed. All right, we got to take a quick break, Dunkster. When we come back, we'll be talking about Duke Williams and Trey Roberson. Welcome back to the Three Down Nation podcast. Dunkster, Duke Williams is expected to make his debut with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this week, while 2019 CFL All-Star Trey Roberson signed back with the Calgary Stampeders following a stint in the NFL. Which player will be more impactful down the stretch for their team this season? Bro, Sergio Castillo is out here with his hand up saying, (laughs) I want to be in this conversation, all right? The West is heating up, man. For me, though, this really comes down to, and I think Castillo can certainly have an impact, but that Bombers team is just so above and beyond good. It comes down to a question between Williams and Roberson. Williams will have a more tangible impact for the average fan, but I think in actuality, Roberson could have the bigger impact of the two. I say that due in part to the recent play of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders offensive line because if Cody Fajardo is being harassed or flat on his back, it's hard to get the ball to Duke Williams. And also because I think what Roberson can do for this Stampeders defense is legitimately just play on an island, go and lock down one dude because he was that type of player before. And if he's fully healthy again, which it seems like he is, I think he can get back to that level in Calgary. So that changes the way that Brett Monson can attack opposing offenses. And with the way that Calgary has been playing of late, to think that they could get even better, especially on the defensive side, has got to be scary for opposing offenses. Yeah, if Shaq Evans was out for the rest of the season, I would be picking Duke Williams here because it's clear that that offense, without Shaq in the lineup, has lacked that deep threat they have lacked the deep ball they have lacked someone who could take the top off of the defense Kyron Moore I think they thought would be that guy he's done a great job of catching things underneath but he hasn't really helped them stretch the field the way that Shaq Evans was able to do so they've they're getting Shaq and they're getting Duke I can't wait to watch those guys ball out but I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you Dunkster Trey Roberson is the answer to me I think he's really gonna help the stamps and there are also some rumors about at least one impact player in that secondary not being vaccinated now 
it's possible they'll be vaccinated by the postseason. But again, if that hypothetical comes true and it's Calgary at Winnipeg for the West final, presuming Roberson is vaccinated, the Stamps, I'm sure, are going to be very happy to have an elite player in that secondary and potentially help uh, help fill and pick up some of the slack that was that was potentially left behind. We don't know for sure, but it wouldn't make sense for the Stamps to bring in a player right this late in the regular season with only, what, the Stamps have four games left if he wasn't going to be able to play in the playoffs. So my thought would be that Roberson is good to go in terms of his vaccination status. And, and we got to remember like how good this guy was as a DB. Like He was changing games on his own. Bo Levi Mitchell used to rave about Roberson. He is the type of player that you could really only put with one other name in my mind in the last decade probably in the CFL in terms of cover corners, and that guy would be Delvin Bro. So we're talking about a generational or decade-type player here that the Stamps are getting back in the lineup. Agreed. Andrew Harris missed the second half of Winnipeg's Week 11 victory over the Elks and did not practice on Tuesday. Will he play this week? And do the Bombers have any reason to even rush him back? I'd be surprised if if Trevor Harris, or pardon me, if if Andrew Harris played this week. Mike O'Shea told the media yesterday they never rush players back, uh, but they did play Chris Treveller in the playoffs last year with what I believe was a broken foot. So there's some some inconsistency there. Uh, that being said, with different the win, timing though, that's yeah, sudden yeah, death, my man. Di- different timing, different timing. Uh, but my point is Andrew Harris and the Bombers are one win away, essentially, from clinching first place in the West Division. They've done the dirty work. They've won seven games in a row. They have the tiebreaker over Saskatchewan. Uh, they essentially have the tiebreaker over BC. And they're they're one and zero against Calgary, albeit with one game left the final week of the season. Uh, odds are they're going to clinch first place in the West. If not this week, they're, they'll, they'll clinch it when they come back from their bye. So with with three games potentially uh, serving essentially no purpose in the standings, to me, if you're the Bombers, let Brady Olive, Oliveira and Johnny Augustine eat. Let them do their thing. There's there's no reason to bring Andrew Harris back. If, if you want, let him wait for the West final and just stew and, and be ready to roll because when Andrew Harris is at the top of his game, this season he's proven 34 is just a number. He has been dominant. When rested and healthy, you may as well let him wait as long as he needs because there, there's no reason to rush him back. And that's really the most interesting part of the Bombers right now is how are they going to approach this, right? It's pretty much a foregone conclusion that they're going to lock up first place in the West. Like, I don't see that really changing unless something drastic happens out there. They just need one more win to do it. So how do they approach these last games in the regular season, right? Do they just rest all their veterans, let them really heal up? But then I hate the debate, and it's so cliche, like rest versus rust. I don't really necessarily believe in that because when you're a pro, you are paid to play the game. So you better be ready. There's no being rusty. And the Bombers have shown that they weren't rusty coming into this season with their record at, what, 8-1 and one through nine games, the best team by far in the CFL in the regular season. So whatever they want to do with Harris is smart. I mean, there are some people out there, or maybe even Harris himself, would want to get to that 1,000-yard mark. That was something he talked about. Still within reach, but is it worth it at the expense of rushing him back through an injury instead of getting another Grey Cup? I think you'd rather have the CFL title. Yeah, and if, if I was the Bombers, I'd be getting on the phone and talking to some people who were involved with those Alouettes teams of the early 2000s and say, hey, 
how do you play the last month of a regular season when it means nothing? Because those are the teams that for a decade span had locked everything up. Uh, and, and, and often it, it did not work out in their favor. They only had two cups uh, over that long Anthony Calvillo-led stretch. So if I'm the Bombers, I want to know what they did, what I can do to copy them, and maybe what I can do to, to do the opposite. No, I don't know what they wanted. I don't want to know what they did because you said they only had two cups in that time. <laughs> I get they were a great team and the East is a different conference. I ain't calling up anybody on those Alouettes team. That was decades ago. I'm doing my thing. And Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, Michael Shea, Zach Kolaris, Andrew, all these guys, they've shown that they know how to win a title. And I think they got a great shot to do it again. Fair point. Dunkster Dane Evans has been activated from the six-game injured list in Hamilton. Can he help reignite the team's offensive attack? I mean, he could in a sense. Like, he's 2-0 and as the starter. But Jeremiah Masoli had his best game of 2021 by far the last time out. Over 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns, didn't turn the football over, looked more sharp. But the issue there is got to finish drives. You know, whether it's been Masoli or Evans or even Watford in there at quarterback, they have not consistently been able to cap off their longer possessions or even when they get down there inside the red zone or the money zone, whatever you want to call it, the green zone, they got to score touchdowns. That's really, to me, been the issue with this team is, yes, there's been some of these close losses, but in reality, those losses would have turned into wins quite easily if they finished some drives. So whether that's Evans or Masoli in there, I don't think it really matters. They just got to show that ability like they did in 2019 to finish and they finished teams off right like they knocked them out of games early going 15 and 3 and I think there is some of that ability to be dominant on this Ticats team it's just that they haven't gotten the end zone the defense is absolutely balled out with Jeff Reinbold you always know the special teams are going to be strong but the offense got to start scoring touchdowns the Ticats you know dare I say it going to start being worried about even making the playoffs well, they, they've lost two straight. In my opinion, both games, they, they should have won. They certainly should have beat Montreal before Vernon Adams made that last-second throw to Eugene Lewis, slinging it for the touchdown. They lost a one-point game on a 51-yard Boris Beatty field goal before their bye. So this team, as much as they're easy to go, ah, well, they're four and five, you know, blah, 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 they're really close to having won six of their last seven games, including their last four. Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, we, we should consider them to be six and three because, well, you're not six and six and three unless you're six and three. But that being said, I do think they're better than their four and five record indicates. And you're absolutely correct. Jeremiah Mazzoli had his best game since returning from his ACL surgery uh, that took place in August of 2019 uh, this past week against Toronto. The, the, the team just has looked better, frankly, with Dane Evans under center, at least through the early part of the season. Um, I don't think that Dane Evans is better than Jeremiah Mazzoli, but he did seem to bring something to that unit. And as you said, Dunkster, they got to do whatever they can to get in the end zone, finish drives, put teams away early instead of letting them languish and hold on and, and potentially complete comebacks late in games. Which has happened recently in their last couple outings, right? Both the Montreal Alouettes stormed back. Yeah, exactly. And the Argos in the fourth quarter was ridiculous. And yes, you sort of have these events that happen that people think are unbelievable, but the other team is paid to make plays too. Like Tavares Daniels, 360 touchdown. Boris Bidet hitting it from 50 plus yards. Like those dudes are paid as well. So you got to knock them out when you can. 
Hodge, you reported that former TSN play-by-play man Rod Black was a victim of cutbacks at good old Bell Media. Tell us all about it. Well, we we all know that Rod Rod Black and and TSN parted ways. You know, officially it was you know mutual. Uh, but in doing some digging, I was able to confirm with Black's agent he was not offered a contract extension. His contract expired on August 31st, uh, though he did agree to remain on and call some CFL games for about six weeks following the expiration of his contract. Um, I know that Black would have loved to stay on. He was with Bell Media and CTV for, for 40 years, thirty the last 30 with TSN specifically. Um, personally, uh, and I did talk to Black as well uh, on the telephone. You know, Rod Black is a super popular person for a reason within the industry. He is a class act. He is a super nice guy. And though he did express, you know, some disappointment, obviously, he did also express, you know, gratitude, talked about how he he loved being part of that team for so long, feels so grateful, so fortunate to have been a part of so many amazing sports moments and memories, and he's not retiring. He's got his production company. He's got other opportunities. He's going to keep continuing to share Canadian sports stories. So, no, you know, at the end of the day, I don't believe it was as mutual as it was officially made out to be. Um, He's 59. Bell is looking to cut back where they can, like most companies coming out of this pandemic. It sucks that he was a victim of that, but I'm excited to see what we see next from Rod Black. Certainly, and I mean, to be quite honest, as much as there was a lot of people that were tired of Rod Black's call and felt like he used so many cliches, and honestly, and I think Black would admit this, like basketball was clearly his favorite sport, so there were some people that felt like he maybe wasn't as into the football calls as he was or some of the other sports that he does and some of that stuff. I think there is no doubting that he is an absolute pro. And you mentioned this as well, but I think it needs to be reiterated. A great guy behind the scenes. And I don't say that lightly, right? Like a lot of these people, you know, players and coaches and scouts and GMs and, and media, like if you don't actually really know them, I don't really like saying that. But by all accounts, all the people that you talk to, you know, our boy Dwayne Ford, the fellow CFL draft guru, absolutely raves about the guy. And if Fordy's raving about him, then you know Blackie was a great guy. And that was just their relationship. They got along so well. So I feel for him, and especially the way that it went down. You know, it never really seems to end well with some of these bigger corporations in terms of the talent being let go. And there's always going to be come a time where, you know, you get on in years and we all kind of get older and they want to move to younger, different people in the booth. But the timing of it, I just can't comprehend. Like, it's great that he agreed to do a few more games after, but why would he be gone, like, literally in the middle of a season? I mean, I guess it's like two-thirds over, but still, that part just doesn't make sense to me. Like, why would you not want to have a nice send-off for him on the air and do it in a professional way in terms of how Black approached all of his projects with the company? Now, it didn't seem like he necessarily wanted that, and he didn't tell his coworkers and the people around him that the game that indeed was his last game was actually that. But still, you would think if you're the network, you would want to do a guy properly that's been with you for over 30 years. You would certainly think that, and and you are correct. He did not want, you know, the dog and pony show for his last broadcast. He was happy to keep that to himself, and I and I respect that. Um, but it is strange to ask someone to stay on after their contract has expired, but not for the rest of the season. That is that is confusing to me, just from a logistical standpoint. Uh, but anyways, if you're listening, Rod, we'll miss you. 
On that note, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodge's Heritage Moment. On this day in 1951, Drake University's Johnny Bright was targeted by members of Oklahoma A&M, renamed Oklahoma State in 1957, who had bragged before the game about their intent to injure the black player. Defensive tackle Wilbank Smith knocked the star quarterback slash halfback unconscious three times in the first quarter, eventually breaking his jaw and forcing him to leave the game. This came to be known as the Johnny Bright incident and provoked changes in NCAA rules that included the mandate of helmets with face masks. Bright later became the first black player ever selected by the Philadelphia Eagles as their first round pick of the 1952 NFL draft. Fearing discrimination, Bright chose to sign in Canada with the Calgary Stampeders instead of pursuing the NFL. He played 13 seasons with Calgary and Edmonton, recording 10,909 rushing yards and 67 touchdowns. He was named the league's most outstanding player in 1959 and was inducted into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 1970. Oklahoma State did not apologize for the Johnny Bright incident until September 28, 2005, 22 years after Bright's death. Dunkster, this is this is we're talking 70 years ago, one of the most unfortunate yet iconic moments in college football history. It reminds you how far we've come and how far we have yet to go. Well said, buddy. And if you got a far trip to go on the road, you know where you got to hit up first? Jiffy Lube. Get in and out in a jiffy. 15 minutes or less are going to have you back on the road ready to rock and roll. And your car or your vehicle will just be purring along. These dudes are meticulous about making sure your wheels are ready to go. And they'll also get you in and out quick so you can get to your destination. And make sure that you know that you're going to get there. Because your car ain't breaking down. Yeah, especially where I live in Manitoba, we got harsh winters. It's important to winterize your vehicle. I know that I'll be doing what I can soon to get my ride ready for the winter. And I trust the good folks at Jiffy Lube to make that happen. Dunkster, it's now time for the three-minute drill powered by Jiffy Lube. Canadian kicker Liram Hirolahu worked out for the Washington football team. Do you think he'll get signed by an NFL team this season? Dude, I think he should be signed. That is different than if he actually gets signed. It just needs to be the right opportunity and timing. I feel like if he can get in, kind of like Sergio Castillo got that opportunity, that Hyberlahu could set himself up to be in the league for a couple of years. Elk star running back James Wilder Jr. confirmed on Twitter that he remains unvaccinated against COVID-19. Is that a big deal, Hutch? It's not because Edmonton's not making the playoffs. The Red Blacks signed quarterback Tom Flank, Tom Flacco, who was in training camp with the Riders and is also the younger brother of former Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco. Is that a big deal? It could be. I mean, he hasn't been there as long as, let's say, Devlin Duck Hodges, but really Caleb Evans looks legit. It shows me that this personnel department in Ottawa continues to work and try to bring in talent for Paul Apolise to work with. The Blue Bombers, of course, traded for kicker Sergio Castillo, who opted out of his contract with the BC Lions. He's expected to join the team after their Week 12 bye. Can he solve all of those kicking woes in the Manitoba Capital? Well, he actually had a better percentage 
in 2019 than Justin Medlock, and he actually has a better career field goal percentage in the CFL than Justin Medlock. So I'd say, hey, if you're better than arguably the greatest of all time, yeah, you should solve those quick those kicking woes. The Stampeders are holding a contest to celebrate Bolivar Mitchell becoming the team's all-time completions leader and deemed Rod Peterson ineligible to win. Is that a low blow? No, man. I love the entertainment, man. Hype it up. Jacob Ruby issued an apology for misrepresenting his vaccination status to the Edmonton Elks, which triggered his release from the team in August. Should the Canadian offensive lineman be forgiven? I'll say this. I believe in second chances, but this incident took place six, seven weeks ago. So the apology, it's better late than never, but, you know, after six, seven weeks of silence, I I don't know. I, I think this could have been done a little sooner. Canadian running back Chuba Hubbard scored his first career NFL touchdown with the Carolina Panthers, the first of many. Yes, of course, my man. Christian McCaffrey, God love him, an absolute superstar, is on injured reserve until I believe it is week nine. That means Hubbard's going to continue to get opportunities, and Matt Rule, his head coach, loves him because Hubbard tore him up at Baylor while Chuba was at Oklahoma State. The BC Lions released running back Shaq Cooper, a prized offseason free agent signing. Is that a surprise? Well, it would be a surprise if BC ever ran the ball, but the Lions evidently don't have any interest in running the ball, so yeah, frankly, I'm surprised they kept any running backs. At this point, you may as well get rid of them all. Dunkster, we always love doing this show on Wednesdays. We thank our listeners for joining us. We'll see you next time. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.